Hey everybody and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. Lena Ebjemer here and I'm your host. It is good to have you here. It is a new year, a new study, a new you. I hope you're on the same page as me and I hope you're ready to delve into a Bible study that will turn your world upside down. Listen, before I get into the study and what it's all about, let me just welcome you if it's your first time here. Uh, glad to have you. And if you've been here before, then you know that we're here every week teaching biblical truth for everyday life. I run a ministry called Living with Power Ministries. I have a full-time job as a physician and I uh, run a ministry that focuses on providing biblical truth for everyday life and sending hope to the world. So uh, we serve Syrian refugees as well as the Ukrainian refugees and the Lebanese. I am Lebanese, in case you were wondering. That's my last name's origin, but I hail from the Midwest now. Uh, my family base home is Green Bay, Wisconsin. Huge Packer fan here and I uh, hope you are too. If you're not, I won't hold it against you. And in the meantime, I live in Chicago. I love the Windy City, uh, except in the winter. But uh, what I love most is teaching God's Word. So I am glad you tuned in. I'm glad you checked us out. And I hope you're telling your friends about it. By the way, did you know you can subscribe to this podcast? That way every week you just get a link whenever we uh, drop a new episode. And we are going to delve into the book of Acts. This is an awesome book in the Bible. Great time of the year to be thinking about the church and Jesus and how he turns everything upside down, which is why I've called this series the Upside Down Series. I'll be breaking up teachings into two weeks per chapter, and we will uh, guide you along every week. In the meantime, sit back, listen up. Don't turn your speed to double speed, because you know what will happen. I think the normal speed or slow speed is another option for those of you who prefer to listen slow. But however you listen, I hope and pray that your hearts are open to the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, and that you are ready to have your life turned upside down by the power of the gospel. The mission of the early church was to bear witness to the reality of that kingdom. Do you see what differentiated the disciples after they saw the living Christ is that they understood that Christ now has, uh, has risen from the dead and very soon would be ascending to sit at the right hand of God. He is at the right, he is, he has already defeated death. Do you understand that? He has already overcome sin. He has already defeated the evil one. And he is sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for you and for me. His kingdom has started. It is taking place. It will be consummated in the future. But we should be live, living in light of that kingdom. I think it was MacArthur that says this. If you wonder why the first century Christians turned the world upside down and we do not, it is because they preached the kingdom of God and we do not. We, we believe in the kingdom of God. We like the idea, but we're not obsessed with it. But when you see the living Christ, you become obsessed with it. And I think if some of us would become more obsessed with it, how different our lives would look. I was thinking even today about how, you know, it's not hard for us to understand a glimmer of that. How many of you have taken a mission trip before? If you have, then you know, you know how the high you feel when you come back? Everybody I've, ne I've met who's gone on a mission trip, they come back and it's like they can't get enough. They're like, oh my gosh, this was life-changing. You don't understand. It was great. It, it was amazing. And you're like, well, what did you do? Well, we talked about Jesus Christ. We shared the gospel. We helped the sick. Like, you were obsessed with the kingdom of God for that 10-day period. And it was everything that you wanted in life. And it didn't matter that you were stuck in a hut somewhere. I remember one mission trip I was on. I slept in a, it was the, I was in the Amazon jungle doing a medical trip. And I was with two other gals, the first three, um, like, white women who have ever shown up to that 
village, and I don't even know the name of the village anymore, but I just remember the bats in the hut that I was staying in, and there was like a little net. I've never been happier for a net around me. But, but you know, there was no toilet. There was no, nothing. I mean, it was like, like the worst thing that you can imagine in the world, and yet the best thing that could have happened to me in the world. And I think about other situations, even here. You don't have to go to a third world country to feel that. You can be living right here. You take a day where you're, you're dedicating the day to just doing the work of Christ, where all you're doing, go out, see, look at the youth group. They'll go downtown one Sunday afternoon and share gospel tracts with others. You'll spend the day doing a Bible study with people, and you go home, and you're like, that was the best day in the world. And you go, what did you do? Well, I was just obsessed with the kingdom of God. I think if we would focus our lives more on his kingdom and less on our own kingdom, how different our lives would look, how much more powerful our our personal life and testimony would be. And for the disciples, their obsession was the kingdom of Christ. Verse 8, we're going to dwell on more next week. It's a keystone verse in the book of Acts. And, And interestingly, it really gives us the outline for the book of Acts. We will, uh, I jot it here, you don't have to write this down, but basically this idea of, of spreading the gospel to, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, we'll see that in chapter 1 through chapter 6, we'll see uh, the gospel being spread to Jerusalem, and then in chapter 6 through 9, we'll see it to Judea, in, in the, the chapter 9, verse 2 through 31, to Samaria, and then chapter 9, verse 32 through chapter 12, is, um, the gospel goes to Antioch, and then the very last bit of Acts goes to the uttermost ends of the earth, when Paul goes actually to Rome, and, and, and it's just, you see that spread of the gospel. So, I mean, that's one way to divide the book of Acts. There's so many ways to divide it. I think for us, we're kind of going to spend a bit more time on Peter the first semester and then more time on Paul the second semester. And so, I think you're going to love it. I can't wait to get into that. It's such a practical book, but, but I just, um, I love that verse. And, and you know, I, I just really want to talk about the Holy Spirit just a little bit today. And, and just a couple of thoughts I have on verse 8 before we move to the next point. And and I will just leave you with this. Um, First of all, you will receive power. God has to give it to you, that power. Like, it's it's not something you work for. There's no self-effort involved. Second thought, it's definitely power. The word for power is dynamis. It's like dynamite. I grew up in a country where we had a lot of dynamites. It was a bit more than dynamite, but they really, in the water, sometimes we'd hear like explosions. You're like, was that real or was that dynamite? And you hear it all over the city when there's dynamite. I don't know if any of you have ever been in fishing towns or things, places like that where dynamite goes on. You can tell that it's there. Boy, I can hear when there's a little firecracker next door. Dynamite is powerful. And so when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is powerful. And then this thought, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. See, I think so often we confuse the fact that, well, I just want the Holy Spirit. Well, why do you want the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. It seems like you feel good and you can do things. And and we're so self-centered about the Holy Spirit in our life. But do you understand that the main job of the Holy Spirit is this, which is to make Jesus Christ known. That's it. It he, He gave them the Holy Spirit so that they would be the witnesses in all of the earth. Do you understand it? That that is the reason that the Holy Spirit came, is is to to explode the work of Christ in and through us. On that note, uh, the uh, the title of the book, uh, of course, in the top of your Bible, if your Bible is like mine, it says, The Acts of the Apostles. And almost every commentary and every uh, thing that you'll read on the book of Acts really changes that a bit and says, really, it's not the Acts of the Apostles, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, right? And I believe that uh, that's what we want in our life. We want the acts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Proclaiming that Jesus will come. 
One more thought there. It says in verse 9, And when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So now the ascension is happening. It says, And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And, 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 and I want to just mention this. You can't spend your life looking up into heaven. I mean, the disciples were in awe at what had happened, but they were kind of like, like you can imagine them just, just wanting to get a glimpse of Jesus. And now he's gone. And they're like, well, maybe if I keep looking, I'll see him, you know. And, and it's, there's training. And like the angels are like, you know, it's almost like a cartoon. Like, you know how they do that. And you're like, hey, wake up, guys. You can't just keep looking up. You're going to walk into that tree. Look in front of you. And so there's a point where you, 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 you want to be enthralled with the heavenlies, but you can't stay focused on the heavenlies. We have a life to live. You have to get up in the morning and go to work and you have to deal with difficult people and you've got to do certain things in your life. And so though we have to have a vertical focus, our life must go on horizontally. And, and I like that, that, the, that the angel and, and God uses these angels to, to say to the disciples, like, get on, get on. And some of us, we just need to get on, you know. It's great to be in church. It's great to come together. It's great to have these times of togetherness. But really there's a time where it's like get out and live and look in front of you. And then this fourth thought, because he is alive, lives are transformed. We started talking about that a little bit with Peter, and I want to kind of hit on that a bit more right now. In verse 12, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. And it lists all of the disciples. I was going to put that question on the cash cab, Lena, named the 11 disciples. And I bet most of us couldn't do it, could we? It's a hard question, and I, I don't know why. I just feel some duty to know their names by next week. It's just like, it's just because just it's not Peter, James, and John. It's like, I know you guys are going to be studying them, and I, then I'll trick you and not ask it. But then the next week, I'll ask, okay, that's too psychologically messed up right there, and pretty soon I'll be hallucinating. So I'll just stop while I'm ahead. All right. So anyway, so all of the disciples were there, and it says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, now, remember just a few chapters ago in Luke, there was an amazing prayer meeting in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? And what were the disciples doing? They were sleeping. And what happens? Because Jesus is alive, they, they, they call the prayer meeting. They're staying up, devoting themselves. I mean, you can't get enough prayer. Do you understand that because he is alive, their lives are transformed? It, they are transformed by being together. They're no longer scattered after, the, the, after Christ died. You didn't even know where the disciples went. Everybody went their own way. In fact, they got together in the upper room, and Thomas was missing, and they saw Jesus. And then they were like, Thomas was like, well, I don't believe it. Where was Thomas? He was still scattered. He, they had been powerless in their prayer life, and now they were on their knees begging the Lord. you you got to wonder, what were they praying about? How did they even understand that prayer was, it's like all of a sudden, everything that Jesus had tried to teach them all these years was coming back to them. Like, that's why Jesus prayed so desperately. It's like it was, the light bulb went off in their, heart, in their minds and their hearts. They were transformed in passion. Peter stands up in, in verse 15 and, and preaches. This is Peter, the guy who couldn't even acknowledge Jesus Christ to, to the servant girl, and he's like Mr. Preacher Man. They were transformed in passion. And how every one of us can tell that story. 
I remember I came to Christ as a child. I was about seven or eight. And uh, I remember even at that age, just laying in my bed at night and knowing in my heart that I'm supposed to be reading the Bible. And, and I remember even as I got a little bit older, seeing certain things on TV or reading certain things and, and knowing in my spirit, that's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. You know, and I, I think about my life, and then I remember going to camp as a teenager, and, and I remember when I was about 16 years old, and, and hearing how God really wanted oh, every part of your life, and wanted to be a, really, he wanted your, your wills, and he wanted your hearts, and, and I remember dedicating my life and saying, Lord, I know you're my Savior, but, but I just want you to have my all, and kind of having a spiritual awakening moment at age 16, and, and, and just through the years, I traced that passion that has increased with time, and how it went from just wanting to serve anywhere in the church to identifying that I really understood and loved teaching the word and how God has brought that about and how year after year I just want more. And, and, and not in a dissatisfied way, but, a, but in a way of I just know that God can do so much more in my life and, and I want more of him. I want more of his spirit in my life and I want him to, to free me from areas that are still keeping me in bondage or, or areas of, of thought that are still like, like knee-jerk. I go to bad thinking and I want to just get knee-jerk. I want to go to good thinking and I want to be biblical in my thinking and I want to grow in my love for the Lord. I want to grow in my obedience with him. I want it to be a knee-jerk reflex. And it happens little by little by little. And you say, well, where does this passion come from? And you ask yourselves, you look at your life, and you see the things that I used to do, I don't want to do anymore. Some of the first verses that I learned as a Christian, one was um, uh, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, all has become new. The other key verse in my life has been Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Christ, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Later it says, don't be conformed to, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You say, where do we get that? That desire to change, that desire to grow, that, that burning sense that I just want more of the Lord in my life. It's because he's alive is because we have been faced with the truth that Jesus is alive and we have embraced him as our own. And just like the disciples were transformed, so many of us are being transformed. And you look at your life this year. You know, there's so many people here. Some of you, you're like, you're in a good place. And you love the Lord, but you just hear me talking and something resonates in you. And you're like, yes, I know what you mean. I want to serve him more. I want to I I know him more. Others of you, you're like, she's way out there. I mean, I'm just happy to be here. Whoa. I mean, passion, you don't think it's passionate enough that I'm here on a Tuesday night. Like, are you kidding me? And you're just like, it's okay. Do you know that God wants to take every one of us a little bit closer to him this year? I think about every one of us, and, and we're going to spend eight months together, and then we're going to look back and say, look how I was, and look where I am now. And we're going to see how God has changed us. We're going to give glory to him at the end of the year. Every one of us is going to have a story. Do you know that I'm praying that every one of us has a story, a specific story for his glory? Because he is alive, lives are transformed. And then here's the last thought. Because he is alive, faith is restored. Because he is alive, faith is restored. I'm not going to read the entire rest of the chapter. Um, the first bit, though, it talks about uh, Judas. And just some comments on it. In verse 16, uh, the 
Peter starts the sermon and he talks about, uh, about how they need to find a replacement for Judas. I, I did find it ironic, though, there, the parentheses in verses 18 and 19, where it kind of has that description of what happened with Judas, about how the man bought a field with a reward, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of and all his bowels gushed out. I just chuckled because I thought, only a doctor would care about that. Like, he, like, eviscerated organs, you know, he's, like, bled to death, and his blood pressure was, and his, you know, like, he died. You know, the thought is that he, he uh, hung himself, and then maybe it burst, because there's, a, in Matthew, it talks about him hanging himself here, it talks about his gut spilling open, and I think that the rope broke, and he fell, and enough said. Okay, now I'm getting into doctor mode, we need to move on. But, but basically, uh, just a small observation, you say, why, why did they put that story about, about Judas? And I think, it just easy, easily this, it's to fulfill prophecy. So much of scripture is just to show us prophecy fulfillment. And so in verse 20, uh, Peter actually quotes the book of Psalms, and a couple of um, verses, that he uh, quotes our psalms or that he refers to. One is Psalm 69, verse 25, that talks about um, really the reference to Judas, but it says, let his habitation become desolate and let there be no one to live in it. And so it talks about how that field is basically desolate then. And Psalms 109, verse 8, talks about his office let another take. And so now we got to pick a new disciple to replace uh, the one who now is gone, who is already foreknowledged by God to not uh, be one of the 12. You know, it's, it's, it's all, it all fits, basically. Why am I going into this? Basically, every word of Scripture will come to pass. You understand that? That we're studying a book that, has, that is perfect, that is God-breathed, that is inerrant, and, and, and it all kind of ties in. And sometimes you read it and you're like, well, wait, why is that there? Well, there's a reason. And we've seen that when we studied Luke, how certain prophecies we've talked about and they'll come back. And little details that you think, does that really matter? Yes, every bit of it matters. I, I'm, I'm constantly astounded by it. I'll be reading like a random book, like a genealogy or Leviticus or, or you know, just certain passages that you're like, what does that have to do with anything? And you know when that happens, if that ever happens to you, the problem isn't, that it doesn't have to do with anything. The problem is that we don't know enough, that we need to study the Word of God more and more and increasingly because it all fits and it all makes sense and the Spirit will help us to understand it. Do you understand that? All right, enough about that. I want to kind of go down then to verse 21. So they pick the uh, two, dis- uh, they, they have these two guys uh, that they come, they, they basically have the criteria for the apostles who are, who are going to be the two apostles or the one apostle. And the criteria are you had to live during the ministry of Christ. You had to be part of the ministry. So it had to be one of the 70. And then you also had to be, have seen the resurrected Christ. Those were the two criteria to be an apostle. And so they put out these two names, uh, Matthias and Justice. And of course they pick, they, they cast lots, which was an Old Testament way of choosing a disciple and they pick Matthias. And, and I just, I'm, I'm, I'm interested by this uh, for a couple of reasons. We'll get back to Matthias for a minute, but, but let's go back to that main thought in, in, uh, in number five, which is this, because he is alive, faith is restored. And, and you say faith in what? Well, uh, in, in the summary of this uh, section that I kind of just uh, gleaned over that I hope you guys have taken time to read during the week, well, faith in speaking for Peter, we've kind of talked a bit about that, faith in praying I mean, they're praying about the choice to be made. They're like, well, who are we going to pick? We got these two guys. Or should we pick Matthias? Should we pick Justice? Shall we take, a, shall we take a, a vote? Shall we get a popularity contest? Shall we take a test? Whoever can get more questions about the Bible, right? No, they pray. Like, we're going to pray. Everything now is about prayer. Faith in choosing. I mean, they trusted the Lord to help them make this decision. This is a lot of faith in making choices, isn't there? There's certain things in your Christian life that God doesn't tell you this is exactly what you're supposed to do, Lena, today. 
you guys get that when you do your quiet time? I don't get a message sometimes that says, Lena, today I'd like you to pick this drink at Starbucks, and then I want you to drive this speed limit. He doesn't say that. But he gives me wisdom and discernment, and then the faith to trust that he's going to help me make the right decisions as I walk as obediently as I can in his word. Do you have that kind of faith? I think a bit about faith. And so many of us go through seasons of life where our faith gets shaken. Do you ever have that? You know, I, th I think about why, what weakens our faith. I jotted down just a couple of thoughts. Disappointed expectations weaken our faith. I, I, I think a lot about that. I think so many of us have an idea of how it will look like. Frankly, I think Peter had some disappointed expectations when he was out at the campfire with the, with the servant girl who asked him if he knew Jesus Christ. And he, his expectations were disappointed. He didn't expect Jesus to be killed on a cross that night. And so he's devastated to the point of denial. But so many of us have been there, haven't we? What weakens our faith? Here's another thought. Misunderstood promises. You think God is saying something. He never really said it. I mean, Jesus never hid it from the disciples that he was going to go to the cross and in three days he's going to raise again. He never hid it. And yet every one of them was like, wait, whoa, what? Where, where did he pull that quick one? Well, he's been telling you for three years. And so many of us have, have promises that have been given to us by the Lord and, and we just don't get it. We just think they mean something else. We make them mean what we want them to mean. We make them mean something to our comfort. What weakens our faith? Write this down, unanswered seeming unanswered prayers seeming unanswered prayers because listen every prayer will be answered but for a season we think god has forgotten we think he doesn't care because we don't see immediate answers but you understand that he's working when you don't see him working because he is alive faith is restored my prayer for you this year is that your faith would be restored like never before you know um inevitably when that happens when you have a strong understanding of jesus christ being alive your faith is restored and the inevitable nature of that is that not only is your life going to turn upside down but your, your whole world will turn upside down the people around you will see it and will be affected by that the church grew from 11 confused disciples to 120 people in that initial meeting to next couple of chapters we're going to see 3,000 people in the church and and just exp exponential growth the church who would have thought that those 11 disciples would be the seed of the church? One person knew it without a shadow of a doubt. And his name was Jesus, and he's alive. I had such a vivid illustration on Sunday, and I'm just about done here. I had a vivid illustration of, of this idea of, of, of overflow. When God works in your life, Overflow is inevitable, but, but it, was, it was kind of a sick illustration. I was, um, th this weekend, I thought I had viral meningitis. I had the severe pain in my neck, and I think it's because I was working out with Monica, the trainer. And, but I really, I thought I was dying. Anyway, I got out of bed on Sunday, and I had to be at church for prayer meeting really early. And I, I don't like really early in the morning. Anyway, so I shuffled over to the coffee. And uh, about, I don't know, maybe six months ago, I bought one of those, like, Keurig things, is that what you call it? Yeah, the one, because I don't have to make the dishes as much, I don't have to clean the coffee thing and empty. Anyway, it's laziness, but anyway, I get the mug, I put it in, I put the coffee thing, and I'm really feeling like out of it. Then I go to brush my teeth, and I'm excited about the coffee, so I brush my teeth, I go back out, and I know you guys are like having the whole picture now, right? You need every detail? No, well, you got it anyway, but anyway, I come back out to the coffee machine, and I look, and I'm telling you, there's coffee everywhere. I mean, it was on the, on the, on the counter, on the ground, I mean, through the tiles. 
I was no longer sick. I was mad. But I looked over and I thought, how could this happen? I've been making this coffee for the past six months. And I looked and you know what had happened? The cup was put upside down. <laughs> no joke. Listen, listen. And I, and I started cleaning it up and I was so frustrated. I'm a firm believer in paper towel. I, I love that stuff. I just grabbed tons of it. I know it's probably not environmentally friendly. I apologize, Andrea, but I did. I used a lot of it and I kept cleaning. And the more I cleaned, the more it was still seeping. So I, I realized that when I opened the cupboards, it had seeped inside the cupboards. So I had to empty everything in the cupboards, get it out and clean all the way around. And, and listen, here's the thing. It, it hit me as I was going through this mess that, that though it's not a perfect illustration, because I think when the Lord turns our life upside down, he fills us to overflowing, but then he seeps over and he seeps around and it goes over the counters and it goes in the cabinets and there's no one around you that will not see and understand that Jesus is alive because your lives are transformed and your faith is restored. Do you see it? Do you understand it? And that is what we will spend this year doing, is worshiping the living Christ. And by his grace, we will know him more and more. I wrote a poem. I wrote this uh, a poem last year and in, in, in similar tradition. I wrote a poem, and I'll end with that. And then I'll close in prayer, and we'll go into a time of, of processing and asking God to really speak specifically in our lives. But uh, this poem is called Upside Down. And I wrote this about... Um, Kind of what I see coming and what I, I thought I gleaned from this week's lesson. But it goes like this. He's turned my whole world upside down, inside out, topsy-turvy, bottom up. He's alive. The story's not over. He's alive. My life has been changed. He's alive, no longer afraid. The sad is now joyful. The scared been made bold. The scattered united. The sleeping awakened. Confusion is gone. No reason to hide. From doubt to great faith, all questions erased. Fear has been vanquished. Boldness now reigns. The king is alive. I'm no longer afraid. He's alive. Nothing's the same. He's alive. There's reason to praise. He's alive. Hell has been vanquished. The king is alive. My whole world has changed. He's turned my whole world upside down, inside out, topsy-turvy, bottom up. And I can't wait to see his face. My king, he's alive. Forever in my heart, eternity awaits. He's alive turning my whole world upside down, inside out, topsy-turvy, bottom up. How has he turned your world upside down? Lord, we love you and we beg you to turn our worlds upside down. God, we beg you to work in us mightily. We beg you, Father, to change us so that others would see the glory of King Jesus alive in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, that's our teaching for today, and I'm so glad you checked in, and I pray that God is at work in your life, even as you conclude this time in the Word. Hey, I can't wait to be back with you next week. In the meantime, know that you can download our app. It's called the Living with Power app, where you can access all teachings and resources at your fingertip. You can also spend some time on our website. It's the livingwithpower.org website, where you can also find out about our global work. Uh, we have a store that you can buy more resources on or download free studies. Hey, are you following me on Instagram? I show up daily trying to provide encouragement to you and a little tidbit of God's word in a world of social media. And if you are here for the first time, again, welcome. Thanks for being here. And if you've been here before, please come back again and subscribe to this podcast. But more importantly, just know that God loves you. He's for you. And I can't wait to be back with you next week.